0: I hit the wrong video, and this is live. Gotta
1: love it. you're a human. Human beings make mistakes sometimes. I
0: know, and then I hit the right one, and since the other one started, it didn't... I thought it would just play the right one, and it didn't, so that was very... Not smooth, but fortunately not a whole lot of people have jumped on yet, so I didn't make any mistakes if you're just now joining us. This has been a perfect broadcast, and I never make mistakes.
1: Amen, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Welcome, everybody, to Recovery Revolution Live. Live, live. Tonight's special guest, we have Carly Krishmar. Did I say that right? So close. Krishmar. Krich, Krichmar.
2: Krichmar. It's like Richmar with a K.
1: Krich. Krich. Krichmar. Yeah. Got it. I'll never forget. It.
0: <laughs> that's that's still not as bad as the other week when I asked the guy how to say his last name right before we started and I wrote down <laughs> how like phonetically how to say it and then still got it wrong. <laughs> I was like, "Oh." <laughs> I remember terrible, that. Terrible. It was silly hey Welcome, Billie's joining us again.
1: Welcome, Billy. Welcome, Carly. How's it going, Carly? Thanks it's for joining. It's going us. well.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to to be talking to you guys.
1: Absolutely. So, are you a person in recovery yourself?
2: Um, for mental health, I would say, and then my my main, I was going to say attachment, but I guess uh, association. More so with addiction and substance use um, is my mom and my sister.
1: Okay. Right on. Yeah. I mean, we're we're all in recovery from something, right? I mean, always.
2: I think so. Yeah. Any most of us.
1: We all got some stuff we need to work on. (laughs) That's a fact. Yeah. Well, welcome. Thanks again for coming on and we can't wait to hear about the work you do and maybe a little bit about you your story where are you from yeah.
2: i am originally from new jersey yeah
1: mm-hmm. jersey girl yes
2: yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah. I, I don't hear I've, the
0: accent uh-uh. it's
2: so funny i have gotten that so much and in where i lived in new jersey and south jersey nobody had accents really in North oh. Jersey they have a little bit of an accent but the show jersey shore like created an entire like misrepresentation of jersey people <laughs> because all of those people were from New York they were visiting yeah. New Jersey.
1: Oh wow. I yeah. didn't know that.
2: Yeah, so many people think like that's Jersey and it's like no, they were tourists. <laughs> <laughs>
1: setting the record straight you guys
2: i'm glad to be here to be setting the record straight yes
1: that's why you came on no i I had no idea so i didn't either dude that's news to me i i couldn't even consume that show like watching for 15 minutes of a dude getting ready and people throwing stuff at him and getting mad
0: I was like, it was this terrible. Was
1: yeah.
0: My
2: friends and I actually made like a couple like spoof episodes of it and like put it on YouTube.
0: And you That's didn't hilarious. send that as prep for the show? <laughs> I could have had that queued up and ready. Man, what a missed opportunity.
1: Mm. Oh, Tina, I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, mm. prayers for you. Hmm. All right, now we're getting serious. <laughs> we need to dive in. Uh, man, Carly, uh, what? tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, yeah, we'll go from there.
2: Yeah, so I have a communication strengthening program um, and I help families that have been affected by substance use, addiction, Mental health disorders to build connection with each other and build trust. Um, Mm. Because a lot of any type of coping that we use that is not healthy for us, usually it stems from family dynamics or family dysfunction. In so many cases, things can be traced back to our family or some sort of transgenerational trauma, you know? Mm. So, I really focus on creating a shift in family dynamics where um, we're just learning to communicate with each other better. And literally just by changing the way we communicate completely starts to change the relationship and it starts to change us as individuals. And so much research shows how much having a healthy relationship strengthens a person's self-identity. And it helps us to be able to cope with stress and cope with life challenges. So that's really what I'm focusing on. It's like, um, oh, I don't think I even mentioned the entire communication program is based around a game that I invented. And through the game, you're just communicating with each other in positive and healthy ways and talking about really meaningful things that you don't normally talk about with your family members, or at least a lot of us don't, um, that have a lot to do with mental health. And so it's um, it's just a really fun and interesting way to connect with your family and to, again, start to create shifts in your family dynamic that you don't really realize is happening because you're just playing a game.
1: Yeah. Is it like a board game or what?
2: <laughs> That's exactly what Brett had asked. Um, so. I I call it like game boards Um, and I'll kind of tell you like how how this came to be so you can understand it better. Um, So I when I first had the idea to do it, um, I have you guys ever heard of Canva or do you guys are you familiar with Canva, like the graphic design? Okay, Brett knows that.
0: Yes, I'm familiar.
2: Yeah, it's for like people who don't specialize in graphic design, but it's a way for you to be able to make your own. It's like very user friendly and like creating graphic designs. Um, And so basically when I first started it, I would just use Canva to create what I called like the game boards. Um, And then I had a friend who attended um, a session because basically when I first did it, I was like just playing with friends and friends of friends and family and family and things like that, just to like see like what's working, how does it work? How is this affecting people? And one of the people who attended who I um, am now pretty close friends with, he just for fun is like a coder. And so he like made it into a web app for me. So yeah, so there's different um, topics for the sessions that I facilitate. So like some of the topics might be exploring your defense mechanisms, exploring how you communicate. And so for every topic, there's what I call a game board. And then there's like categories and questions. And um, so it's, it's hosted over like a web app and it's basically used as a tool to facilitate these interactions
1: nice that sounds awesome
2: (laughs) it's it's really fun i do it with my friends all the time like it's i don't call it therapy it's not therapy but it feels like therapy right and so when i do it with friends it's like i'm like hosting therapy sessions with my friends
1: but it's essentially like conversation starters and stuff
2: It's, it's very similar to like conversation starters. Yeah. But there's like rules and stuff. Um, so it's like a very structured and curated conversation and it teaches people how to actively listen to one another. And it teaches you how to have more self-control where you're not interrupting people, or at least where you're noticing when you interrupt people. Cause one of the things when you interrupt, you get
0: buzzed oh nice (laughs) nice do you have any bells we're we're big fans of the bell oh i
2: like that i like the bell no i don't have a bell
0: (laughs) version two yeah
2: (laughs) i do i like that a lot actually
1: (laughs) but the bell to me sounds like a reward and then that buzzer sounds like a you you messed up like
2: so it's funny because one of the elements of the game is um if you have like a validating or supportive statement that you want to share with a person who's talking, you will um, like put your finger on your nose to indicate that. And I used to actually have a sound like that, that I would sound when someone had something positive, that would be like, and it like made it even more reinforcing of like, this feels so good that I'm receiving, not only am I receiving a positive statement, but I'm getting this little noise too.
0: Yeah. I like (laughs) it.
1: Hell
0: yeah. It makes me think of The Office when uh, when Jim's trying to train Dwight that every time he makes the pin-click <laughs> sound that he gets a, a mint. <laughs>
2: oh, I miss that show.
1: We were literally just upstairs, and my roommate was showing us this, like, parody video that her upper management at her company did, uh, put together and they had this like development, like all the employees from the whole nation got together for like a three day conference type thing. And it was like super painful to watch though. It was horrible. But then she was like, wait, it gets really disturbing and weird. And then it never did. It just went, it cut, it cut to like some bloopers. And she was like, what the, they cut out, they cut the video in half and we're, <laughs> me and her husband are both looking at each other, and we're like, Okay, well, that really, <laughs> that really sucked. And that's like 10 minutes, I'm never gonna get back. And she's like, All bothered by it. It was funny. So it's weird you mentioned The Office because yeah. <laughs> we literally just watched that
0: thing, and we're like, Oh, god, it, it's on my mind quite a bit. Why are you making me watch this? I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> But if you had finished the video and then she had done a little (laughs) dream, you felt better. It would be a totally different
2: experience.
1: (laughs) I would have been proud of myself because I kept quiet and I listened, even though I wanted to talk shit about it the whole time. (laughs) 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 Totally. (laughs) Oh, man. So I love this idea of trying to do some very important work and help people make like super critical progress in their relationships but making it fun at the same time yeah how did you get inspired to do that like because did this start where you wanted to do this important family work and then it just like somewhere along the line you came up with this fun idea a way to make it fun
2: so what happened was during covid you know the giant game changer for all of us um I just had, I had a little extra time on my hands because the, um, at the time I was a developmental assessor for, um, toddlers and infants. And we did in-home assessments. So as soon as COVID hit, everything came to a halt and they were scrambling, trying to figure out like, okay, how do we change this so that we're not going into the homes? And so, um, for a few weeks, like I didn't have any work at all. And while they like figured that out and, um, that was when everything was obviously going remote and, So I wasn't like seeing any of my friends, I wasn't seeing my family or anybody like in person. And um, we would do like, oh, you know, Zoom and FaceTime and stuff like that. And it just, it made me realize how important connection was to me. Um, And also at that time too, I um, had like, during COVID I had broken up with my boyfriend and um, of like four years we were living together. And I decided like, okay, since I'm now like not working in person, I'm gonna just, take some time with myself and um so i (laughs) i went to portland oregon for a couple months and just what just took me and my dog and was like completely with myself just doing like very very serious like soul searching and self-discovery and um through that i realized uh, again like how important connection is to me and how much i didn't feel connected to either people that were important to me or that i had people that were important to me that like didn't know each other and that there were like really important things i believed that we could connect on or that there were important conversations we could be having that we weren't having together so i was like you know what? i want to i want to create like a space where we can talk about serious things and um but where it doesn't feel like hey let's get together and talk about serious things (laughs) where it was like how do i make this into like an enjoyable experience that we look forward to having these conversations so that's kind of where the idea came from and um so i asked a couple friends um who didn't know each other but that i was like pretty close with if they would be open to like doing this activity with me basically and it went really well and so i was like let's let's keep doing this like every week once a week and so I started to kind of build on it from there and then after doing it a few times and like not just facilitating it but uh, participating in it I was like this is really helpful like this is really making me self-reflect and it's helping me to practice getting curious about other people instead of just judging them because that's something I've struggled with a lot um, just from my own like trauma and feeling of that I need to like assess people and I need to know them and I need to know if I need like can trust them and like all of these insecurities and fears that I have, um, I have tended towards being like very judgmental of people as a way to protect myself basically. And so um, through participating um, in this game with my friends, it helped me to be able to have so much like so much more self-control i guess in not judging people based on their opinions or preferences and just listening to them and getting more curious about them and um so after doing it for a bit i was like i'm gonna ask my family to do this and when i tell you that my family like we're dysfunctional like we are like the epitome of dysfunctional family. Like in any way a family could be dysfunctional, like that has been us. So it's like, if you had met us, you would you would think like there's not a possibility that your family would be able to exist in this space. And not only did we exist in the space, but like it was amazing. Like I don't think, so I have a brother and a sister and then mom and dad. And I don't think we have ever had a conversation like we had um, when I was facilitating this session. And like the things that we, and it's only an hour too, um, for the five of us, it was an hour long and it was like amazing how much we were able to learn about each other. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to bring this into the space of like recovery and like pulling in the concept of family dynamics into this, because if I could do this with my family, then like, I can do amazing work with other people in doing this. Um, and so I also am doing it as, um, a social skills group for an iop here in san diego where i live so i'm working with clients we're facilitating the sessions with like the clients themselves and then also working with families doing it
1: yeah like i went to uh this place in minnesota new beginnings one of the many treatment centers i've attended (laughs) and uh but they had family week that's kind of like one of the things that they're kind of i guess more well known for because it's a little unorthodox. It's not something that's done the way that they do it. Like it's a whole week. And it, they really like have like I think it's like two or three hours a day for five days where the family comes and you know it there's a lot of <laughs> tough conversations had. You know, maybe a, maybe a lot of tears, a lot of laughter though. Hopefully, you know, they can bring out bring out some laughs and I don't know, man. It was just like a, a lot of healing to be had if you could sit through it, you know. Yeah. It was yeah. like got pretty hot in that seat, you know what I mean?
2: <laughs> yeah. That's a good point though about um like you're saying that this was sort of like a more different experience because they have this family week. That's something that I have found is that a lot of treatment centers or like behavioral health centers that don't have that large of a focus on the family. And again, like the family is usually where substance use and addiction is coming from, or like the, the desire to, to do that or use that as coping skills. Like a lot of times it's, it's stemming from like adolescence, you know, and who like adolescents are living with their family. So it's something that I've been sort of perplexed about for a while, just because um, my mom has gone to multiple treatment centers since I was like a kid and my sister and, because i never had an addiction or substance use disorder i and now as an adult look back and i'm like i totally like slipped through the cracks here because i my mental health was struggling severely since i was probably like 12 13 years old but nobody noticed because i didn't have like Physically, like externally, I wasn't showing that and I wasn't talking about it. And when, again, my mom or my sister was going into treatment, nobody was pulling the rest of the family in. Nobody was asking like, okay, so this girl is 17 years old. Does she have any siblings? What is their life like? What's going on for them? Like, no, I felt like nobody asked about me. And I grew so much resentment for both my mom and my sister, because as a kid, I, I didn't understand. I was like, okay, so they're choosing to be an alcoholic they're choosing to do drugs they are choosing to make these like terrible life decisions and get all this attention and i'm just like isolated and lonely and like it was it was a, a really hard experience as a kid to like carry that much anger and resentment and then once i became an educated adult and um i got my master's in educational counseling that's when i actually started to understand like none of this was their choice. They weren't doing any of this to hurt me. They are like struggling and they're in pain. And none of us were ever in a space where we were talking about what our experience was. And that's, that's something I'm so passionate about, about changing is everybody, not just the focus on the identified patient, not just the focus on the parents, but like the entire family because all of them are suffering.
1: Yeah. We all get sick together, right? And then, but, but to your point, we can all recover together too. I know in my experience through my own personal recovery journey, like the ways that my relationships, especially with my family, uh, have improved and changed and blossomed, uh, has been one, you know, some of the greatest blessings really, truly. And you know, there's been things that we've had to go through that, I, like, I don't know if I could have got through it, you know, uh, with without them, you know, and before we wouldn't have even been there for each other. But then again, I wouldn't have even had those. I wouldn't have gone through those specific types of things either uh, the way that I did either because I wouldn't have been present for life. So I don't know. I digress. But you know what I mean? It's just such a big deal. Like it really is with the family dynamics and how you, you know, we all have issues. We can be civil and there still could be underlying things that need to be addressed, you know, between everybody. And it's good that we can find a way to do that in a, in a safe space and it, you know, to, to be able to incorporate like, helping people learn those communication skills in it is key too because i mean that's like a whole nother class right like you can go to family therapy (laughs) but you don't know how to communicate right you got to like learn how to communicate to be able to successfully do that but you're kind of like blending it all together and making
2: exactly exactly because uh like that's why i i always try to like have this emphasis that it's not family therapy. Like again, while it might feel like it sometimes because of what we're talking about and how we're talking, it's not therapy because we're not singling anybody out. Like i'm not saying like Jason, so this is something that you did. What was going on for you when this happened or anything like that. Like it's literally just like you receive a question and it's not a question specific to you. Anybody could, could get the question that you mm. land on basically. And then we can take it where we want to take it. But um, what you were saying with like the, the family relationship, literally every relationship we have is dependent on communication. Every relationship, even, even if you don't speak, you still communicate, right? Dogs communicate with us. So no matter what, every relationship is dependent on communication. And so if you have aggressive or hostile communication with family members, if there's lots of misunderstandings that happen when you're interacting with each other, that's going to affect your relationship. And something that um, like I came to find out was that my family spoke a very different language or we had a very different communication than the average person. So it's like, When I would be around friends and their families who had more functioning families, I would be like, what's happening here? Like, what do you guys, like, this is how you guys talk to each other? And then I would notice, like, when I would be more aggressive, when I didn't even know I was being aggressive and someone would be like, "Ah," like, would let me know. And I'm like, what are you talking about? because like this is how me and my family communicate with each other was totally normal like it was normal to all of us so it's like a lot of families are like this where you literally have to change your communication style you need to change like reshape and restructure your entire like language with each other to to be more healthy to be more supportive of one another and then that creates a more positive relationship and again with this game you learn so much about each other and you're building trust through that so i could Mm -hmm. assume something about you based off of things that you've done in the past that i feel may have affected me but i don't know what was going on for you i just take it very personally right all i know is my own experience so in the game i'm learning about like what your thought process was what the cognition was there and because i'm learning about you i feel like i have a better understanding of you and i trust you my my trust in you is starting to strengthen because i have a better like idea of what to expect or how you've thought in the past does that make sense yeah,
1: absolutely cuz i think a lot of times when we get in a conflict you know you never get to the part where you can actually you know have the floor and like explain your thought process or or the waves of feelings that you experienced because the damage is done right away with the you know knee-jerk reactions that you have and then next thing you know it's like we're just walking away from each other right like conversations yeah. over and nothing's resolved
0: yeah <laughs> exactly well and like my family growing up i feel like we had a really dysfunctional relationship where we never had like those serious talks. It was like any kind of, any kind of like hard conversation was like behind closed doors and everything else was just kind of like surface level. And it was just kind of, it it was strange. Like go, like you were saying, like interacting with other families and seeing how they handled conflict and how they spoke to each other. And then, you know, even carrying that on into my adulthood, my marriage, like trying to navigate how to communicate, in a more constructive way than like holding on to all your anger and resentment and not talking about things and then exploding basically yeah yeah
2: Yeah. and what what you're describing brett is a lot of like re-teaching ourselves how how to be right? right and if and it's like if if you're fortunate enough To form relationships with people, whether it's like romantic relationship or even friendships, where you are exposed to more healthy ways of being and behaviors, then you can have that opportunity to like reflect in yourself. Mm -hmm. I want to be more like that. I wanna, I wanna communicate with people more that way. I wanna behave like this. And if you don't, then you will spend the rest of your life having like. But whatever you felt was not positive in the way you and your family reacted or behaved, yeah. communicated, like you will continue to be that way unless you're fortunate enough to yeah. be exposed and form relationships with other people.
1: Because you'll so. hold on to it, right? It's like yeah. I always I always say, especially these last couple of years, it's like if I got an icky feeling, I need to address that conversation and you know you can do that openly and honestly without being a dick you know you can have some tact um and just be matter of fact you know uh closed mouths don't get fed but then when you actually the hardest part always seems to be just that initial step of like initiating that conversation is the hardest part And once it's rolling you talk through it and then guess what I don't feel icky no more, you know, and that's like something I learned a long time, like a while back, and I've just really hung on to and hung hard to it because, you know, and it's helped. It's helped in all my relationships, you know, whether it's with my kid or with my, you know, immediate family or with my significant other, even coworkers, you know, like yeah, I use these skills everywhere as I learn them and they, they work no matter where you are. So
2: Yeah i love that you mentioned that too with with coworkers because it comes back to what i was saying like anyone who we interact with and like who is especially active in our lives we have a relationship with and co-workers a big one like i i think we don't give credit to like how often there is conflict between co-workers and it has mm. so much to do again with like the the communication right um there was something that you were just saying too that i was thinking of um you were saying good stuff, Jason. I should I should have my little pad here when I'm like jotting down <laughs> how I usually. Yeah.
1: I do that sometimes in recovery meetings because I got a Note Nine, you know, like so. If I pull up the stylus, little note thing pops up, and I can write notes handwritten. Ah. <laughs> and yeah, I'll sit there and, and take notes, man, because then I'll address it when I share if I want to like say something in response or piggyback off of something somebody said. And then I'll have little like you know, your name with a dash and like some like one sentence, Mm -hmm. half a sentence thing. (laughs)
2: Um, What Tanya just said, that just sparked it back for me um, of like what you were describing as assertive communication. And it is liberating. Like I remember when I first started to learn about assertive communication and actually implementing it in my communication style, it was like taking this weight off of me because again like i i learned to communicate very aggressively like between my parents my dad was a very aggressive communicator my mom Mm. was the the one to shut down and so as a child like i would be receiving both like these were my models for like when you have something to say you either don't say it and you shut down or you scream it at the person and that's what I learned to do. And that is how in my relationships I literally would either shut down and have to like remove myself from the person, or I just would go from like zero to a hundred where I felt like I needed to raise my voice for someone to hear me. And the more I started to actually look at that of like, okay, when I raise my voice or when I feel the need to curse, what is it that I'm trying to communicate? And for me, it's, I'm trying to communicate that I don't feel like you're hearing me. I'm feeling misunderstood i'm feeling really upset and when i learn to say those things instead it's like the person then is able to receive it correctly because right. otherwise i'm not commu- <clears throat> i think i'm communicating something that, but it's being delivered in a very different way
1: well and then i think it takes the gas out of what you're feeling you know because for me anyway like i think it's a big with men but women probably deal with this too it's like if i'm hurt if I'm sad, if I'm fearful, uh, it's easier for it to come out in the form of anger than it is to get real and expose the feeling behind the feeling, right? Like, it's easier for me to get defensive or, you know, just aggressive, you know, as opposed to being like, look, when you said that, that really hurt my feelings. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I'm not a bitch, you know, (laughs) I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's scary. And that's the thing again, if, if we weren't taught as children by our parents, especially, but other people too are like culpable to this, like teachers and any adult, any sort of role models in our lives as children, if they were not teaching us that it is safe and it is respectable, and it is completely acceptable and appropriate to say how you're feeling, then we're going to grow up thinking that it's not. If no one else is doing that, no one else is modeling that for us, we're not going to think that it's okay. And it's going to become a really, if we're not doing it, it's going to become a really uncomfortable and scary experience, which is what it was for me. Like once I actually in my life started to directly say what it was that I was feeling when I was feeling upset, when I was feeling insecure, it was very uncomfortable and scary to think about doing it. But once I did it and then I was responded to with like a hug or something, it was like, wait, all this time right. that I, all I had to say what I was feeling was what I was feeling and th- I would receive a hug. Oh my gosh. Why didn't ever anyone ever tell me this, you know?
1: Right. right. Or, or like, you know, if I react in anger, and then when the situation is over and they're not around, then here comes the sadness. Then I'm crying. Then I'm feeling alone and misunderstood. And maybe, you know, whatever, all these like other feelings, softer, the real feelings. Now I'm feeling them. And then I wonder, how do they not know that I was feeling this way? Well, probably because you came at him like you're a hard ass, you knucklehead. You know what I mean? Come on, bro. Yeah, you better exactly. But I didn't know, you know, what I was doing. I just it was like you know letting feelings drive the bus. You know, just going into instant reactive mode instead of taking that pause to reflect and then respond, and and like you know bringing your true authentic self, not this you know oh i was hurt so i wanted to hurt you before you could hurt me whereas you know i don't know man it's so weird the toxic because i think that's like a really common thread i've found is like a lot of people grew up just with them and maybe it was a different generation thing you know it's just it was a widespread and nobody talked about their feelings and everybody was taught that you have to like be independent and do it on your own and be strong you can't depend on anybody (laughs) yeah
2: yeah and and i agree like it has been i think a generational thing and if anything like we are currently in in a phase of society where it is becoming so much more encouraged to talk about feelings like so much more like there's so many like things for parents now that are encouraging them to encourage their child to use their words to communicate their feelings or to provide them the words of like you're feeling really upset now And I will say too um having worked in behavior intervention with kids with autism that was something that I started to change a lot as a person because when I was working with them I would have to help them or support them by when they were upset like giving them the words to say and then yeah. like again reflecting that back to myself of like no one really ever said that to me. No one ever gave me the words to say, like, Carly, you're really frustrated right now. Like, go ahead. Say yeah. you're frustrated, you know?
1: that's that's uh, That sounds like a hard job. I mean, you know, a lot of patience, I'm sure, you needed to have to be able to do that.
2: I loved it. It was so much easier. Like, everyone always says that, like, oh, that sounds so hard. But honestly, it was so much easier working with kids because you just look at them like innocent and that it's your your job to be the one teaching them and they don't know any better. It can be a little more difficult with adults, but I think I've worked a lot at this point with adults where I can see their inner child more easily, okay. um, which I don't know if, if you get what I mean by that. Yeah, but, um, totally, totally. Okay. Um, so yeah, and that's that's something that has actually helped me a lot that I really try to, bring into discussions with um like clients and stuff during sessions is the concept of of the inner child because for me that has been really helpful in Mm -hmm. um, my relationship with myself and also relationships with other people or again like when when judgment does come up and when i feel like i'm taking something offensive or that the way a person is behaving that i take it personally I'll think like there's an inner child inside of them. And if they're being mean or aggressive or rude to me somewhere in them, like their inner child is suffering and Mm -hmm. there's a, a whole life behind this person that has nothing to do with me. And it helps me to not, not take it as personally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I gotta, I gotta say, you know, like, I probably is a different approach, but I, I did some shadow work uh, when I was in my first couple of years of recovery and one of the exercises that we did or that I was like kind of given as homework was to like, uh, you know, spend time meditating and like getting in touch with my inner child, like to find it and then to like sit with it and just be with it and then to name it like i named mine jj because that's what people called me when i was a kid and Mm -hmm. uh you know like to let that child know that like it's not their fault or there was was some stuff like that but it was tremendously healing for me and i have felt like ever since that i did those exercises and really it it changed the game for me like because I think there was a lot of things that were kind of weighing me down that I wasn't really aware of because it was so compartmentalized in me uh, and locked away for, you know, 30 plus years. Right. So, yeah, I think that you're onto something with that. That whole inner child thing is like huge. I was going to ask you how how do you feel? And if you could tell us a little bit about how your, you know, methodologies with this with this game and the, you know, teaching the communication skills and all that. You said you've been doing it in the clinical setting with clients and their families. So how has that, how effective has that been? Could you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, it's two very different experiences too of facilitating sessions with clients um, in the IOP and then doing it with families. Obviously, it's a very different experience Um, because with the clients in the um, IOP, it's more of teaching them how to connect with each other and how to have more meaningful connecting conversations with people. And it's also giving them exposure to like, again, what what is okay to be talking about? Um, And it's really amazing, too, because I'll have um, clients that are like newer to the group and they're like more like reserved and quiet and like brief in their answers or responses to things. And then once they're seeing other clients who have participated in um, this group for, you know, a few weeks or whatever, um, they tend to open up a lot more, um, which is something too that I'll see with the families um, where like a family member who tends to be more reserved in their responses or a little more guarded, um, that the more that they're seeing their other family members expand upon their answers or be more elaborate in their answers, then they start to feel safer to be like, Oh, I guess I, I can take up more space. Um, Cause that was a huge concept too, or component of the development of the game um, was the, the thought of how much space we take up in a conversation or in interactions. And that could mean, taking up a lot of space, or we might be a person who doesn't take up much space. And if we're a person who doesn't take up much space, why is that? Are we hiding something? Are we being more discreet about our feelings and experiences for a certain reason? Or do we just, are we more of an observer that we don't feel like we need, like have much to add, right? Um, So in the space, that's when you're you're given the space to actually think about those things and be more, um, because there is a a maximum amount of time that you have to answer a question during the game. Um, And that's a really interesting thing because then people start to become really aware of how much they talk. And so I'll say even my personal experience, um, when I am having maybe not a conflict, I mean a conflict for sure, but even like maybe a less pleasant conversation with a person, I have become so much more aware of how long I'm talking or explaining myself for because of having participated in explore to heal, because we have a two minute maximum. And the reason for that is because if you're talking to somebody and you're like in an argument or something, and I'm, I'm explaining to you, like what my experience was. You're you're gonna max out after at least like two minutes. It's gonna be difficult for you to continue to receive my experience, especially when you've had your own experience. So family members become so much more aware of um not just like going on and on about what it is that their perception or interpretation of something was. Um I realize I got a little off track. That wasn't really your original question. (laughs)
1: No, that's cool. We like squirrel, we we get squirreled out all the time. But no, you're you're right though, like uh some people tend to just drone on and on and I, I i noticed that the people that are really long-winded are essentially saying like the same thing over and over you know what i mean and and it's like you know what the heck and then yeah sometimes we need to stretch ourselves to give to create more space for uh quieter folks you know that was a skill i really had to work on in the beginning of my recovery bad so, yeah, I can relate to that, <laughs> but yeah, so you feel how effective, or yeah, I had what I had asked was like, How effective has it been? And be, would you want to tell us a little bit about
2: Yeah, that? yeah, so one of the things that I do is I have, um family members take an initial survey. And this is like questions about basically to figure out what their baseline is, what they believe needs are in their family or what are deficits in their family, communication barriers, any types of substance use disorder, addiction, mental health disorders that anyone is experiencing. um, And then, What I'll do is, um, so every family that signs up for a program, they have um, an individualized family program. And that again is like the topic. So I'm I'm like deciding from their surveys, which topics would be the most helpful for them to explore with each other. And then um, every other week, they'll get a survey um, that is basically checking in to figure out what is changing in your family dynamic? What is changing in the way you're communicating? What do you believe is changing in your interactions? what are your what is your perception of how it's changing with your family members so a lot of it is really trying to heighten your own self-awareness that you're becoming more aware of um how you are behaving right um whether or not you're noticing yourself refrain from interrupting somebody whether or not you're noticing your family members interrupting you less whether you're noticing yourself feel more comfortable asking questions or trying to support someone by asking them a question or feeling more comfortable expressing yourself. So like, those are the changes um, that we're really looking to see is having so much to do with the communication. So coming back to also how I don't call it therapy because what we're doing is working on communication. Um, So every every component of the game is communication-based but that has implications for your relationship. So um, like none of the questions directly like, do you feel like you trust your family more? But it's it's just getting to the, the heart of it of whether or not you feel like trust is being built, if by having these conversations with your family members, if you feel more connected to them, um, if you're feeling safer, if you're more so starting to initiate these conversations, if you're finding your family members are starting to initiate these conversations.
1: Yeah, no, it's awesome, really sounds like it's sounds like it's one of them things where it's like just by getting people to engage in this game now by you know naturally they're just going to be like kind of dabbling with practicing those things in their day to day right yeah uh, especially if they sat down with family that they could never have a healthy conversation or like a s- adult conversation with you know about anything yeah other than the weather or the song on the radio then exactly then they're like oh like if it works with them you know like i'm gonna try to keep doing more of that stuff that they were teaching me to do."
2: yeah it it like it really improved my relationship with my sister and with my dad uh like i mean with my whole family but especially those are two of the relationships in my family that i have noticed like a huge difference from having done a few of the sessions with them that it I think it helped us see each other so much clearer and since then like I feel like my sister and I talk to each other every day and we were not that's not where we were at when I initiated doing it with with them
1: wow that is amazing that's that's amazing news I'm happy for you and it's so cool how when we learn these healthy things typically that's how we develop the passion is we we get some results and we're like thrilled. So we want to share that with other people, right? Like Exactly.
2: exactly. Yeah. It was amazing too. Cause like when, when I first started it and I was just kind of testing it out by inviting friends and then telling friends to tell friends and things like that, and would basically just like be in sessions sometimes with strangers, people were so excited about it that like after they would contact me and be like, how can I help you with this? what can I do to like help move this forward? How can I support like not asking for anything exchange? And I would be like, why? And they're like, because yeah. you're so passionate about it. That it, like made me so excited about it. Like that's something that I feel like I hear all the time is people are like, you can tell you're really passionate about this. And I am. It excites me.
1: As you should it, be. It works for me. Right. You've experienced the benefits. And plus, I mean, it sounds like you've, uh, Put it to use in a lot of different atmospheres and now in a clinical clinical setting as well i mean you you're just getting to witness that miracle again and again right i mean who wouldn't want more of that
0: who would?
2: yeah it's so energizing like i'll find myself after i do a session like before doing a session sometimes i'll be like oh my god i wish i took a nap i'm so tired and then after i'm like i feel like i need to go for a run like i'm so energized from like that is my, my survival is literally like being able to feel like I'm helping other people. That is like my like power aid or Red Bull or whatever. Yes. Is just, yeah.
1: That's what this is for me. Every time <laughs> there's times when I have to record and I'm like, I'm so tired, but I'm like, just jazzed at the end. You know, I, I get the goosebump conversations and, I'm just all pumped up and full of life and then I'm like oh shit now I got to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm all pumped up and I can't I can't go to sleep. Right. Would you be open to uh taking some calls from the listeners, viewers? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I
0: right.
2: love while, talking to people. Yeah, and
0: while Yuck. we wait, I was going to ask her if she could possibly maybe do like a demo question like kind of give us an idea of the the kinds of questions and things that are in the game
2: yeah yeah Yeah. and just
1: so you know before you answer that and give us a demo what do you think britt third caller gets a way out podcast t-shirt
0: oh he's up in the stakes i like it i like it (laughs) all right
1: give us that demo
2: Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna actually like look into it right now and do. Um, actually, I'll tell I'll do one from uh, my session earlier today. What? Oh, that's a cool shirt.
1: This is the whale podcast. And then on the back.
2: We cover out loud Charlie Jason, the whale podcast. Very cool.
1: And this thing's comfy. It's comfy. I don't. I was no slouch when I got, got
0: these shirts.
2: <laughs> okay, uh, Brett. this This question is going to be for you. Are you ready?
0: Ooh, in the hot seat. All right, and
2: and I'm going to get. I'm also going to get your your two minute timer ready. Ooh. You, you have your maximum of two minutes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, Brett. How do you know when you have made a good decision? How
1: do I know when I made a good decision that's a good question (laughs) that
0: is a good question um and i'm on the spot my time's probably already going
2: no oh sorry the timer does not start until you start to answer it so you're you're allotted your your self-reflection time introspection Mm.
0: wow nice
2: (laughs) it's encouraged it's encouraged to ponder on it
0: right right Uh I th- I think I know when I make a good decision most of the time if I make a good decision it has a positive impact on people around me um if I'm making a good decision um well that's a hard question <laughs> I I don't know that necessarily just because I don't, I don't think it's all based on the outcome either of what happens on that decision, whether it's a, a good decision or not, because I know in my experience, sometimes things that I label for myself as, as good, might not necessarily be good or bad. Um, And that's something that I've learned in recovery is just not to, trying to try not to put the good and bad labels on things um but how do i know when i've made a good decision i guess i guess my answer is is if it has a, a positive impact on people around me if i'm not harming people around me um yeah i guess that's my answer
1: okay yeah. <laughs>
2: See, I uh, gotta get
0: one now so I can ding you. (laughs)
2: Um, (laughs) One of one of the instructions in the game is when you're finished sharing, you say "ultimate answer," so then we know you're you've completed and that we're not gonna (laughs) like interrupt or whatever. Um, Kind of like
1: the millionaire game where they're like, "Your final answer." answer."
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do. um, (laughs) I play ultimate frisbee pickup, so that's where I got "ultimate answer" from.
1: Nice. Oh, I dig it
2: um okay and so this would be the the part where the other group members who right now are us um would ask you a question and we always come in peace with our questions so my my curious question for you brett is Mm. do you feel like it sounded like um you reflect on your decisions um to decide whether or not you felt like they were good or bad, or whether inherently they were neither. Um, do you feel like you consider your decisions now, as much as you did in the past?
0: No, oh, no, in the past, I <laughs> I just went off of impulse and went off of whatever would benefit me the most. Right
2: and you have yeah. you have two minutes every time just FYI oh, so you can oh, feel free to share as much for, or as as much or as little as you want mm-hmm. oh. I,
0: I, I, think the it. I think that answer I think that's one, it though.
1: ultimate ultimate answer ultimate answer I like that we always come in peace with her questions I love that that's so cool uh no I'm serious like I I'm already digging yeah. this thing I <laughs> I, tell I, you I'm telling place. you
2: too like um how you were saying earlier like the the skills that you're learning and that you're like using them like and the thing is because we're literally playing a game with like instructions of like oh when you have your question you put up the peace sign when you're finished the ultimate answer i have two minutes to answer like because we're learning through gamification by doing it and we're doing it consistently it seeps so much more easily into your everyday interaction so like i legitimately will sometimes if i'm like in a more conflict situation i will legit be like and then my partner will be like, go ahead. <laughs> Cause oh, because like, they, they know yeah. the game. Because <laughs> they know the game. They know the game. They love it. My friends and I, when we're like talking about something or talking about like a friend who's struggling something, we'll be like, should we Should we explore to heal? Because <laughs> <All right. laughs> that's the name of the game. It's like, it's just become a thing where we like, it's incorporated into our lives now. Oh, but you beautiful. still have to ask a question.
1: Oh, yeah. So, Brett just kidding i don't know why i paused for dramatic effect uh so
0: you gotta come in peace dude come on i do
1: i come in peace i come in peace my friend uh do you think that you consider others more than yourself when you make a decision now
0: Mm. more than i have yes i think i think my initial thought is of myself and then there's a pause and then because i i try not to make those rash decisions and just you know fly by the seat of my pants i think i think the initial reaction is still very much self-centered how can this benefit me and then upon further reflection, then I'm able to step back and see the whole picture of how my decision impacts other people and how the decision of focusing on me might not be the best decision for everyone involved. And that's my ultimate answer.
1: Ultimate answer.
0: (laughs) I love this. (laughs) Okay.
2: And then this is, I I have a supportive uh, or kind statement to share um, Brett, I love how much you consider the impact your decisions have on other people, because that's not something that comes as easily to other people. And how you said that, um, like sometimes you'll try to have less focus on yourself and really think about how will this affect like people that I care about. Um, cause that's, that's not something that comes naturally to everyone to think about. So I really love how, how much you emphasize that.
1: Yes. That's fun. <laughs> what a
0: cool game.
1: I love it. So, anybody out there calling in or what? Do, anybody nothing,
0: got it? Nothing yet. The phone line has not made a peep. But this is oh, only the man. second week we've done this. So, it's still kind yeah. of a thing. People got to uh, have
1: questions that we haven't thought of. And that's one thing I love about uh, the idea of doing the call-ins is just like the more you know voices that we you can get in a conversation the broader like the scope of it you know like i can you just can learn a lot more from different perspectives entering in
0: also i want to throw out there that this is a live show so last week after the show ended i think some people were re-watching after it was over and i got quite a few calls so oh, you did? We only <laughs> we only take calls during the live broadcast. If you call after the show's over, this is just a Google voice number I have set up and I put it back on do not disturb when we're not using it. So if you call in after, you're gonna get a generic voicemail. So just throwing <laughs> that out there. That's hilarious. Um
2: what you were <laughs> just saying there, Jason, about like the the questions from like callers and getting like things even thought of. That's one of the like magical parts of this game too, is like when I ask my question, I'm just seeing through my personal window, right? When you ask your question, I'm able to not just see Brett's answer and a window into his mind, I'm able to see a window into your mind and where your mind goes in receiving that information. So like, it's like so many different windows are opening that you're getting to know a person through the questions they ask, through what support they might give and through how they respond to questions.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm really excited about it, I love it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm like proud of you for uh, coming up with such a unique idea and i'm really yeah you're welcome and i'm glad to hear that it's working good you know and i get i'm super glad that brett asked the question if you would model it for us a little bit because then you can see that playful aspect of it coming out of you you know as you're telling us and showing us how that works uh you know the little hand gestures and stuff I mean, it's cute, it's fun, it's playful, and it and it does it. It takes the edge off, you know, the edge off of the exactly the weight of it all,
2: you know, exactly
1: serious content that you're unpacking and the open-ended open-ended questions i mean look at how hard you made brett think (laughs) (laughs) he was really thinking hard on that one
2: yeah (laughs) yeah and there is so much like one of um the like after interviews i had done with a client he was describing it like an emotional roller coaster in the sense that like one minute you're laughing the next minute like you might feel like crying because of like the information you're hearing or receiving but like it's constantly fluctuating just because like we might be talking about something really serious and then you like see someone put the peace sign up or their nose or when um so when you um see the Mm -hmm. board game and there's different categories and you're picking the question or picking the category and you get your question when you say the category you have to either sing it or say it in a theatrical voice so that's another thing that sort of like breaks up the seriousness for that moment because someone's like singing the words of this category and then you are like okay this isn't this isn't super serious
1: no that's
0: awesome i like it and don't think you're getting out of your question jason by by asking other questions
2: oh jason you want you want a question i'll give you one all right let's do it okay jason how do you speak to yourself about mistakes you've made
1: honestly um I, I, I feel I've gotten better at this, uh, over the last number of years, but I mean, really, if like, I, I speak to myself, I would never allow somebody else to speak to me the way that I speak to myself sometimes, you know, I still do tend to on occasion, uh, you know, berate myself, you know, curse myself out or, you know what I mean? And, uh, It's not as frequent, you know, it used to be a thing that I would do a lot more. And now, at least when I do do it, uh, on the rare occasion that I do it, I will literally cringe at myself for saying, you know, speaking to myself that way. And I've and I find that I will like stop and then I will like verbally say Mm -hmm. something to the effect of the opposite so like it's a technique i learned in therapy is like thought stopping and then like revert or reversing the speech or something like that so like because your self-talk is huge and when you carry that type of attitude or you know language towards yourself it's like so it can become like a self-fulfilling prophecy you know what i mean so like if i'm calling myself stupid or a fucking idiot or whatever the case may be it's definitely uh gonna perpetuate itself you know or i'm gonna continue that belief will strengthen if i continue to do that so it's very important even if you do struggle with it and even if you feel silly to say i'm not stupid don't say that why did i say that i shouldn't say that i'm not stupid you know like an that might feel silly, and it will if you make a bad habit of doing that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, it's just something that I gotta try to do. Okay.
0: Alternate answer.
2: Ultimate <laughs> <Alternative> answer. <laughs> uh, well, for, first of all, actually, I really, really loved your answer, and I loved how reflective you were on that, and how honest you were in your answer. Wait, did you? Um,
1: did you? Did you just? Pause on the coming in peace to give the supportive statement. Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay, I just got to make yeah. sure. I came in.
2: I came in with both. You're really good this direction. Right
1: on. Okay.
2: <laughs> okay, and my curious question is: is is there a person that either you know or that you like know of that you think of as like a really kind or good person that you can like so say? Say your person is like Morgan Freeman. Could you channel your inner Morgan Freeman to intervene when you're being mean to yourself?
1: Wow. That's. Hmm. I guess if I had to pick, this is just off the top of my head, but it, it wouldn't be Morgan Freeman. Maybe it'd be like Yoda. Maybe it'd be Yoda. You know? Cause Yoda is wise. And he would be like, talk to yourself like that you shouldn't (laughs) be kind to yourself you must uh yeah i think i could channel that it'd be fun too then i'd be too feeling silly and chuckling at myself so it's kind of hard to be upset or in some negative feeling when you're feeling like that's silly but it's sweet and i'm right i should be nice to myself yeah I don't know. Does that answer your question? Ultimate answer.
2: Oh yeah one of one of the rules of the game is there are no wrong answers. So whatever yeah. answer you give is the correct answer because it's yours. Ding, ding, ding.
1: I win. <laughs> no, just kidding.
2: Um, and just just a little side too with uh, what we're talking about. One of the things that was like life changing for me with the inner talk is thinking my of myself as a friend. And so when I say something like, oh, you idiot, I'll be like, don't talk about my friend like that. Yes. And I'll like even say it out loud, like don't talk about my friend like that, to where like it has, I'm not exaggerating, like my negative inner talk has come to a halt because of that phrase. And I That's like amazing. taught friends it and like, it's so cute. I'll be playing ultimate frisbee and like a person will be like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I'm the worst. And a friend will be like, don't talk about my friend like that. Because yeah. I, like, taught him the
1: phrase. Well, it's funny you say that, because I do the same thing uh, to my girls. You know, my my uh, mm-hmm. girlfriend and her daughter, she's seven. And my son, he's 10. Uh, I do that to them all the time, what you're saying, you know?
2: Yeah, I just gotta don't... do it to you.
1: Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I'd say, you don't say that. You don't say that. <laughs>
0: Okay, oh,
2: has his question.
1: I have
0: my locked question. and loaded. Why do you think it is that you are more kind to the other people in your life, your your son, your girlfriend, your girlfriend's daughter, but not to yourself? Oh I you know, again, I'd like to reiterate
1: that you know, this is not uh by any means a real, very like frequent or regular thing. Um, and it used to be, it used to really be. Uh, you know, in the last seven, seven and a half years, I've done a tremendous amount of work, put forth a lot of effort uh, into different modalities of therapy and learning different ways to meditate and journaling and and uh, group, you know, recovery. Meetings, support groups, all these different things. I took anger management and parenting classes, and you know, I've read, I've read a ton of really good, uh, helpful literature. So, I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, I think, like I said at the beginning of the whole thing, that it's really improved a lot. Uh, and when I do it, I cringe now, and I tell myself, "You don't say that." So so i think that i don't really do it because even when i do it i try to do that thought reversal thing and and change my words i'll say the opposite i'll be like no i'm smart not stupid you just distracted or you know it's natural to be off when you're grieving or something for instance like lately a couple times i was like just feeling like funky a couple days and For a while you know and that those are the times when i'm off like that where it could happen but and it's a self-awareness helps me stay out of that you know because if i know if i notice that i'm not fit for public consumption then i can make the call that i'm gonna like stay at home and i'm just gonna chill ultimate answer (laughs)
2: yeah yeah that's i think one of the the most common problems or barriers in the communication is when someone feels defensive and um I, I don't know what your tone is when you're saying this but it just made me think of something that you were just saying of like um when you're like saying something to yourself and, uh, just like becoming more aware of it. One of the things that was really important, um, for me was noticing the tone of how I ask a question. Like, so with, um, and I'll, I would like to get back to that question, Tanya, but this is something I did want to say too. Um, of like, if we did something and that we regret that decision or something, and we're like, why did I do that? Just changing the tone from why did I do that to why did I do that? Where you're getting curious about it instead of like blaming yourself or getting, you know, down on yourself about it, just curiously asking yourself, why did I do that? And then it feels safer to actually like examine that of like, well, I Mm. guess this was what was happening for me. I was feeling like this when it happened and, um, kind of like what you were saying, you know, like the state of mind that we're in, how regulated we are in, in a moment. Um, like, that's what causes impulsivity, right? When when we're not feeling as regulated, when we're not haven't had like a healthy meal, or if we haven't had enough sleep, like there's so many factors that can contribute to our decision making, right? So just literally being more curious about ourselves and noticing our tone of voice, like uh, when we say why, if you're like, why did you do this? Versus mm-hmm why did you do that um because even asking questions by literally starting off with the word why can already create defense for people so being careful with how we use the word why i think is important to remember um but coming back to what you were just saying tanya that is really really tough um yeah oh thank you for bringing bringing that back up with your mother who's always drinking and always on the defense mode well one thing i would definitely recommend is not attempting to have conversations with her when she is drinking, because it's not going to be productive. Um, And if you're looking to do is connect with her and get a better understanding of her, what's going on for her or explaining what's going on for you. If she is not sober, that is not going to come from that conversation. Um, I would recommend initiating the conversation where you first ask her if she's open to having a conversation about so you can explain your feelings to her, where she feels more in control of whether or not she's going to enter the conversation, right? Um, Because as much as you may want to do this, because it's going to be helpful for you, and you want to help her also, if a person is not in a mental space to be able to do that, then that is when they, you know, go into defense mode. And when we're not going to get the response or receptiveness that we're looking for. So yeah, all that to say, my my biggest recommendation for anybody that's trying to have a conversation with a person who tends to go right into defense mode is by helping them feel safer, by literally asking them, can we talk about this? And letting them know that you, you just want to Understand them better, or you just want them to understand you better. And trying your best to be to be calm when you're saying and being genuine in your words, because um, there's so many reasons why your mom might be defensive. It could be because of experience that she had with you. It could be experiences that she has had with her own family members that she holds on to in feeling like it's not safe to communicate. And if you're trying to tell her about your feelings. Um, especially if there are feelings that of how she has negatively affected you, that could be really difficult for her to hear, um, because she could feel very remorseful and regretful um, about it. So that's not an easy thing for for someone to just receive as much as she might want to, because she loves you. She's your mom, right? Um, so yeah, just creating, trying your best to create safe spaces for for people to talk to you, um, and that's and. Uh, The the same goes for you, too, of if she's trying to ask you something, um, letting her know that you need to feel safe to be able to answer questions, too. So, like, extending that same respect to yourself. I hope all that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. That's so huge. So crucial. Uh, Good question, Tanya.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Tanya, that you have that experience. Yeah. I'm with you. I know that. I know that experience all too well.
1: And that that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. You know, it's like I would, I would be beating myself up later after you're gone because I reacted with the anger when really I was mad at myself or I felt bad, you know, but I didn't know how to say that they came across different you know it came out sideways and then you leave and then then i feel sad
2: yeah that's what you're describing too is how you process right and that's something that when we're not aware or we don't recognize how we all process information and experiences differently so someone who might process things like very quickly they might be a calmer person They might be able to uh, conduct themselves much more appropriately during conflict because they're processing everything so quickly. For me, I'm, I'm more so like you, Jason, where I take a little more process time and it's because I'm a highly sensitive person. So I'm like, receiving so much. I'm like taking in people's body language. I'm taking in their tone. I'm taking in what they're saying. I'm taking in my past experiences with this person. Like there's so much that goes into my experience in an interaction with a person. So if it's like, we're talking about something that's already kind of stressful for me, my, my like processing speed just slows down because there's so much that I'm attempting to process. And so I have learned that I need to use my words and say like, okay, I just need a minute. Like I'm going to step out rather than just storming out or like slamming a door or something or just impulsively speaking, being aware like I need a minute to process this. Something yeah. that's always helpful for me, like, and again, I think because I've worked so much with kids is just incorporating more like playful things or thoughts. And like, I try to think of my brain as a computer. Like we're all just like equipped with these little computers. And I'm like, in some ways, my processing power is like a Mac and I'm really good at these things. But in some ways, I'm just like an old school Apple or whatever, that <clears> it's, <throat> it's not the same as you. And I need to remember that when I'm having these types of interactions.
1: Yeah. Yeah or or even in other people too right like if i'm like i i i can recognize better now when other people are getting overwhelmed and i can give them that space like i can honor that i can be like look i can see that you're really overflowing right now so and and that you're kind of shutting down and you're becoming kind of feeling crazy so i'm just gonna let you be but i would like to come back to it you know and be able to leave it at that and not let it bug me because before it would have bugged me and i would have took it personal that they didn't want to talk about it right or handle it now you know because i want to handle it now (laughs) right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i've gotten way better at that too like just paying more just being more attentive to cuz really I probably wouldn't have had a hard time seeing that in other people before. I just wasn't watching for it cuz I was listen and I wasn't listening for it cuz I was sitting there thinking of what I was going to say and just waiting for my chance to come out and say it, right? Like in your face
2: <laughs>
1: and take over the conversation, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That's not a conversation.
2: Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's, there's a quote by, oh, uh, who is it? Where it's like the, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically like the problem with communication is that so many people like mistaken themselves for having it. It's not how it goes, but it's basically saying like you, you people think that they're communicating, but they're not communicating. Like you might think you're having a conversation, but that's not a conversation.
1: Yeah. Yep totally i'll I'll get it i get the gist of what you're saying (laughs) then it's so true you know you can think that you're good at communicating but you know maybe that's because you're the people you're communicating with just shut down and they just let you run the whole thing you know or whatever
2: yeah well and i think a lot of people just don't even think about their communication like it's it's not something that's on a lot of people's radar of how am I communicating? What does my communication style look like? You know, like we just, we exist in conversations and interactions every single day, all right. day. And most people I don't think are actually thinking about like, how am I delivering my messages? Like I, I have uh, one friend in particular, it's funny. He'll tell me about like interactions, especially at work that he has that, like it's clear to me he doesn't realize like Mm. how aggressive he comes off and so i'll try to just like ask him questions to like help him connect the dots of like okay i you felt this way how do you think this person received this when you said that and it's because a lot of people like all we we can only see our own perspective right Mm -hmm. we're not mind readers and we only know how we feel and we won't know how other people feel unless we ask them And unless we are reflecting in ourselves, like looking inward of, well, why may that person have responded to me that way? Or why did this person think that I meant this? Maybe because I said this, maybe because I did this. Like, yeah. So self-reflection.
1: Yeah. It's crazy.
2: Oh, Brett. Brett has a question.
0: Have you considered... A version of this game for coworkers to help their communication skills.
2: 100%. That's something like, uh, especially when I first started and was just doing it with like ab- not average people, we're all average people, right? Um, but just like random people. Um, so many people would be like, oh my gosh, you should like be doing this in workplaces for like coworkers to be uh, like skill building and whatever, team building. Um, And I would, I would love to, to do it. This, this was actually one of the biggest problems and that I still kind of run into was like when I created it, everyone that came to it was like, you should do this, you should be doing it this, you should be doing it here, you should do it here because it's so applicable to everything, right? Communication is applicable to everything. And it's such a positive experience to be getting curious about each other and to ask questions and to receive questions. This is actually a fun little fact, guys. Um, when we perceive that we're being actively listened to by others, the like reward system, like what's processing what's reward to us is activated in our brains. So like when you're playing this game and you get questions, your brain is processing it as like I'm receiving rewards. This is a rewarding experience, and like you literally have like dopamine rushes when someone asks you about your experience or when they say something kind and they're validating. Like, I'm I'm telling you this because I heard you say it, right? Mm. And it's it feels so good. So, um, but yeah, with with doing it with coworkers, like I think it would be amazing. It just is like a whole other avenue. What I really want to do is like get this as a school program for kids as young as like elementary school to be starting to do it because like I always say how different my life would have been if something like this had existed. Like if I had been put into classes like this, I would be a very different person, which is not to say like I, I love who I am, I really do, but I've had to do a lot of work to even get to the mental state that I'm in. And it's really because of my curiosity like, I, from a very young age, was very interested in psychology. And so that has, like, led me to learn so much to be able to regulate myself and to learn, like, how important it is for me to meditate, how important it is to journal, do self-reflection. Because had I not had that natural curiosity, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I can't even tell you where I would be. <laughs> in a real, real difficult place, mentally, at least.
1: Mm. So i just think that the work you're doing uh and, and this is a new fairly new so i could see it being like something that could continue to evolve and progress and maybe you'll get a chance to spend a good uh time doing it with kids and you know maybe you'll end up getting to be more like a, almost like a Brene brown type thing where you're going to corporations, right? And like doing this stuff. Uh because it is applicable in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's super huge and it's super important and there's so much to unpack in it. So you know, I, Dude, I think I had so many thoughts that uh, came to mind and then escaped me d- during the course of this conversation. Even just because it was like, you know, kind of bobbing and weaving from one thing to another, and like it's you know, I got that that uh, squirrel going crazy in my head.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but I, definitely, I I'm pr- so I'm, I'm
1: I'm I'm grateful that you're doing it and that that you've been able to already, I'm sure, help a lot of people with this work going we'll be more grateful that you taught us a little piece of this game
2: because
1: <laughs> this is fun i it mean is it,
2: fun. It you is were fun. talking
1: about oh yeah that's one thought i was thinking it was like you were talking about the uh that it like triggers your award sensors right and all that stuff when you you know you get a supportive statement or or whatever and it's like man i think two it could almost like trick the brain into viewing an opportunity to speak your truth uh to be um assertive in your communication or even you know giving supportive statements is one thing by the way that is super less common than it should be and a lot harder than you would think it would be to do yeah Like I'm going to intentionally make a supportive statement to you right now. And Ashley does this all the time to us. And I'm not even going to lie. Sometimes it makes me feel kind of uncomfortable or it just catches (laughs) me off guard because I'm not used to that on a regular basis in my daily interactions. Uh, And uh, it's funny because it's a thing that I've tried to do myself for others. Again, to your point, Brett, why am I nicer to other people than myself, right? But yet, when people do it to me it, it feels off-putting it feels weird but by doing a simple touch of the nose with a little smirky grin behind it <laughs> now it's fun now it's yeah fun.
2: and it's it's like mentally prepping you too of like you can expect this to happen right now yes
1: or to your point when you were saying to like ask people you know when you were giving tanya that advice about her mom like instead of just like coming at her with a question or a statement You know, finesse her into it a little bit. Like ask her if she's in in a space you know that she feels like we could maybe explore this or talk about something.
2: Yeah, quick. Yeah, mental mental prepping is so important. That's another thing. Again, like working with kids with autism like conditioned me so much because a lot of kids with autism will struggle with routines and like any changes in routines, anything that's different. And that's not not across the board, but like a lot of kids with autism. So practicing how to mentally prepare someone was something that I started to do or that I had to do a lot. And so that's something, yeah, in the the game, like we're, we're becoming mentally prepped. Um, something that has been helpful for me too in my personal life that I will always tell people about is literally saying to a person like, can we enter safe space? And then that's prepping the person for you might say something that might make me mad. You might have information that may upset me. You may have something that you think is gonna upset me and hopefully it doesn't upset me. But no matter what, you're mentally prepping me that there's a possibility this might not feel good to me of whatever you're gonna say. And then I can choose whether or not I'm in a space to receive it. Can right. we enter safe space?
1: One thing I was thinking about earlier was the fact that like, cause I, it, was, it was occurring to me like, why? why do we stay stuck in these toxic like communication cycles you know and and like married to those things and i i think i figured it out as i pondered it it's like because you know i think on a self self self-preservation level or something maybe i tried to to avoid those kind of conversations or whatever but then whenever so when you would have one that would an exchange that would become way too intense uh it was so few and far between and it would usually end like you know you feel devastated or like super like uh just drained after right so then it's like in the frustration level and it you I don't know about you but i'd go back and forth between like maybe i'm frustrated at them but then i'm like also like frustrated with myself i'm like i'm like what the hell is wrong with me you know like blah blah, blah. so it's just a very draining experience that would then bring you back full circle to back in this survival mechanism where it's like i'm just gonna keep things like surfacey. i'm gonna stuff things when they bug me i'm not gonna like address the you know elephant in the room ever unless i you know have to and as a result you don't get what practice you don't get to practice
2: yeah yeah that you you nailed it because like what what we're doing in these sessions is like you you can do this, you know, anyone can just like do this, but you're getting to practice. You're having a person guide you as something that a client had referred to it as was it's like explorative heel provides the uh the guardrails for the conversation. Yes. So You're literally practicing taking turns speaking. You're practicing actively listening to one another. You're practicing trying to support each other through your active listening. So like, that's the thing too, like I'm like for anyone that like this is available to anyone, you know? Like you don't just, you don't have to be a family that is affected by substance abuse or addiction. Um mm-hmm. and this is available as a way to help you you and your family practice using these skills, someone that's going to guide you through using them to where it just becomes part of your everyday interactions where you I mean, obviously you're not always gonna put up the peace sign when you have a question for somebody or say, Oh I might. when you're done talking. <laughs> you might, you might. But no matter what <laughs> It, it is like becoming ingrained in your mind where you're thinking about like you're you're just naturally using these skills in your conversation where you're becoming more aware of like how long have i been talking for or mm. oh this person just shared like really personal information is there anything i can ask them to help them explore that more or to let them know I've, i'm truly listening to what you're saying rather than like not to say like nodding your head or just saying like, oh that sucks isn't good like that's obviously really helpful but like There is so much power in asking people questions, Yeah, curious questions, genuinely curious questions.
1: That's so cool. Just all the different skills that you're combining, you know, that are really important skills to learn and to be able to do it in a way that makes it kind of fun and feel safer. You know, to your point, like with the guardrails or the bumpers, you know, I think of like mm-hmm. the when you go bowling the bowling with the bumpers. bumpers. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's it's really awesome. Yeah. I'm impressed. It,
2: it was I'm really impressed. difficult too. Like when I made it, like literally like creating my website and stuff. I'm like, how do I even begin to describe what I'm doing? Cause there's so many things that I'm doing. And like in that process, I would literally just Do interviews with people of like, what did you feel was happening during a session? What skills did you feel like you were using? And it was amazing too, because like obviously there was lots of overlapping experiences or like characteristics of the experiences. But then a lot of people would say things where I'm like, oh, I didn't even like think that that could be something a person would be getting. And so, like, that's actually been one of the challenges that I have found in even like marketing this is that like it's really hard to talk about it or describe it without having an hour and a half conversation
1: about it. I don't know, because you could do it just like bullet points. You know what I mean? I mean, all right, go like, you know, communications, learn communication skills, learn listening skills, learn how to give supportive statements, learn how to ask curious questions, learn how to hold safe space. You know, just like bullet
2: points. You're hired.
1: Chum, 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 chum. And then people, people will be like, "Oh damn, I gotta get this game because I suck at all that." And then it'll be like, "Oh yeah, you know." A month down the road, I'm like really good at communicating now, and it's all because of this sweet game.
0: Ooh, oh, hey, I don't, question. I don't remember what the buzzer was for now.
1: <laughs> it's um, for when
0: you go over two minutes, isn't it?
2: I think it's been multifunctional during this game. Um, one of I feel like you've done it a few times for when someone said something that seemed like, like empowering or powerful or like that's.
0: Oh, so it's similar to, that's to the, bell. the bell.
2: Wait, what? What? What sound were you talking about?
0: I was talking about the the buzzer. Your, oh, your buzzer. oh, the
2: buzzer. The buzzer is if somebody is interrupting someone. Yeah. Which it's funny, too, I would say for the for the most part, I don't have to buzz people like it's very rare that I have to buzz people. It almost just acts as like a like like a threat or something of like, if you do this, you're going to hear this sound. And then people are like, I don't want to hear that sound. I don't want to be the one to get buzzed So they just like don't really interrupt. But (coughs) it more so happens like the clients in the IOP rather than the the family members. But it does happen with family members. I hate using the buzz.
1: (laughs) Well, it is funny because it's like you just it's like tricking people into like not taking over the conversation, you know, like you got a time limit now. And if you go over it, you're getting buzzed. If you interrupt somebody, you're getting buzzed. Yeah. you don't have the floor right now they have the floor and they have two full minutes so you have to shut up for two minutes you know like or you're getting buzzed
2: (laughs) yeah it's funny too because like originally there was not when i first created there was not a time limit to how long you can give an answer for and um one of my friends who had attended the session like, like loved it and everything and then the next time she attended a session the timer had been implemented and she is a like the epitome of extroverted person, and so like afterwards, when I was asking her about her experience, she was like, "I don't know if I had as much fun as the first time," and I was just thinking to myself, like, "Yeah, because there was like a max about how long you
1: could talk <laughs> for." That's funny. <laughs> yeah she probably wasn't even like really aware of it either like it was,
2: i like, i highly doubt that she was aware yeah. of it like on the the a subconscious
1: too, like, level like yeah. I don't know why I didn't like yeah you. i
2: don't know why but yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was because she didn't get to take up as much space and that's the thing and like that's i feel like uh, especially when i first started doing it with like people that i knew people that were like much quieter loved this game because they felt uncomfortable like you know being brought into the space or choosing to come into the space and being like, okay, I have to talk. I have to talk out loud. I have to answer like personal question. But then they, they were the ones that like would be like, when, when are we going to do it again? Because yeah. they felt so good to be able to feel safe, expressing themselves, knowing that they were asked to talk for two minutes every time, rather than them having to like choose to initiate, you know, they're giving this responses. Um, and one of the friends in particular, um, she like went to a bunch of sessions and she has like changed as a person in like stories that she'll tell me about like at her workplace of how she asserts herself and she attributes it so much to practicing competently expressing herself in these groups. Like some people have, um, I've never, well, I've, I've sat in on a Toastmasters. You guys are familiar with Toastmasters.
1: Yeah, sort of.
2: I ne- Well, it's like practicing communic- effective communication and public speaking. Um, mm-hmm. And a couple of people have that have gone to Toastmasters that have come to an Explore to session, have said it like reminded them of that, but only we're talking about really important things. <laughs> not to say Toastmasters is like you're not talking about in- important things, but it's, it's a very different thing. And it's much more, I think, for like uh, professionals that are trying to get better at public speaking um but it's it is it has been compared to that
0: hmm.
1: yeah i guess i thought the toastmasters was like more of a, like your own like personal narrative you know or whatever but i could be wrong i have a couple friends that went through that and they loved it but
2: yeah i've heard really good things about it
1: yeah me too i thought about doing it and i'll probably do it one day but now I want to check out one of your groups, too. So you can uh, access these groups uh, and, and like, kind of join the community. Uh, so, you're building a community with this?
2: Kind of. So that was originally one of the directions I was going in was where i was just facilitating like sessions throughout the week and i would um just like post it on social media post it on eventbrite where you could literally just like sign up to like come to a group i think it was like 20 bucks or something and um but then when i started to do the sessions with the iop and then start to focus really working with the families i stopped putting energy on doing it for more of like the social support groups but that's something i really would like to do again it just it's hard because i do this like this is completely all me explore to heal so like it's a lot. It's it's a lot of like time and energy to do yeah. it as the social support groups. But I really did love doing that. It, like it was just a totally different experience to have a group of like five to six people. A lot of times that had never even met each other. And by yeah. the end of it, they would be like, "I feel like you guys are my best friends. I feel like I yeah. sit at like a campfire and talk to you guys." Hell
1: yeah!
2: It was a really we should
1: stay in touch. Everybody.
2: Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, so right now it's, it's not like that. Um, I, I feel like there's not a possibility. I won't come back to that. Um, but right now it's, um, you can sign up for an eight week program where you're having eight sessions once a week or yeah. in for over the course of eight weeks, you'll have one session.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. And yeah, you can only do so much, right? It's like, there's only so much of me to go around, and if I don't yeah. take time for me, then I'm not really bringing uh, the best version of myself to the table.
2: Exactly,
1: so I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Like but nobody. I think wants- I might
2: have to get a bell now. I love the bell. Every time you do it, my I mean, brain is like, "Yay!"
1: Yes, dude. It's true. I'm
2: gonna have to get a bell.
1: When I first came on uh to start helping with the show, I was like. Completely felt lost and out of the
0: loop when he was sitting. <laughs> well, now we um, have new stuff to throw in there. So next week, when Ashley's back, we're going to be throwing peace signs and our noses, and she's going to be lost. She will. She'll unless be like, "I she, don't get unless it." Unless she watches, she needs. We need to give her the heads up to watch this episode. well She's about to.
1: She's about to comment.
0: Watch. She'll be like, "I'm watching." <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> i feel like if she was here she would have already been in the comments yeah I she feel like she's probably taking a nap since she doesn't feel well right but she's gonna be out of the loop if she doesn't
1: oh we're we're the only viewers it's recovery revolution facebook and the youtube well, I've,
0: I've found that it's not always accurate on the number count either because elsie and i have done some experiments and i don't think that the viewer numbers are accurate, but oh. the majority of people watch after we're not live as well, hence why my phone blew up last week. After
1: hi, Tanya, Tanya. Hey. <laughs> man, so I guess nobody wants a shirt, <laughs> <I> <laughs> I'll have to not. give it away next time. <laughs> Or think up a cool idea for like a way to do to give it away next time, Brett.
0: I, I'm the worst at coming up with ideas of how to do giveaways. Jr. usually handles the giveaway side of things. He's the mastermind, but he's probably like windsurfing or doing yoga or something cool. Doing in yoga in a tree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Didn't he ask like a question and had people answering it in the? chat or something oh yeah time. he's come up
0: with all kinds of creative ways to give stuff away
1: Wait. he's he's just a good idea maker guy
2: <laughs> good idea maker.
0: yeah he's a real idea guy <laughs> that's, his, that's his official title man.
1: i'm like dude i've been up since like 4 30. don't maker. judge me
0: <laughs> i like your i like your suggestion for name yeah
2: I love Idea Maker.
1: <laughs> Ding. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was coming. Okay. Well, man, I love the idea of this. I'm definitely going to check out your website. It's exploretoheal.com, you guys, in yeah. case you missed it. There it is. Yeah. See? It's right. Check oh, it wait. Out. It's <laughs> over there. <laughs> dude it's horrible it's backwards every time i want to oh. do that, I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah I'm
0: all like, right here here's my trick that i figured out to, a... to, to point better i'm gonna i let you in on i think of i i look at my screen and i i remember how my room is laid out where i'm recording and i remember that the sign's over here so i know how to point that way if i want to go that way and I'm... like my window's over
1: here, uh-huh, here. my uh-huh. mirror is gotta... over here mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm
1: oh you're smart
0: (laughs) also fun explore to heal on Instagram ah
2: yeah with this with my Instagram I've uh started to use it as a um I call it the anxious avoidant interpreter are you guys familiar with uh attachment styles oh that's attachment styles. that's my jam um, but we all have an attachment style and there's four main ones. And one of them is anxious avoidant it's a real difficult one. And that's the one that I have. So we can be very, very misunderstood people. So I've started to make little videos of showing examples of like what that looks like and the internal versus external experience of the anxious avoidance. So yeah, at, at explore to heal, check out the interpretation
1: very cool (laughs) i'm gonna have to check it out see i can learn about stuff and then i'll forget about it so that's why i like to stay engaged in these types of conversations and uh you know just always learning again and again because i got a quick forgetter and i need to be reminded of this stuff
0: me too i'm a very fast forgetter Yeah, very slow learner (laughs)
2: yeah with things th- that i'm really interested in i just like <laughs> retain it all but anything that i'm not super interested in it's, it's much more difficult for me to remember
1: i always tell people like a wealth of worthless information <laughs> like i have <laughs> a tar- trivia no i mean maybe <laughs> depends on what it, i guess what type of trivia it would be what, what kind of trivia are you good at I'm just, if I had to guess, maybe like, uh, I might be pretty good at music trivia or, uh, like stoner movie trivia, <laughs> like drug, drug movie trivia for sure. Cause I've like watched those, all those movies like a million times, you know, all the cool ones, anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe like you know movies.
0: Okay, trivia trivia question. Trivia question number one, Jason. Oh shit! <laughs> what musician was deported from Japan in the 1980s for possession of marijuana? I just pulled. I just googled a random list of music. He was deported. Uh huh. It says deported. David Lee Roth. Was it like a?
2: Could you give us a hint? Was it single musician or, like, a member of a band? Um,
0: he was part of a band and he's also been a solo act.
2: Okay, in the 80s this happened? Yes. Ah.
0: Uh. I love your game well, show music.
2: Japan would never deport John Lennon, right?
0: Ooh, she's getting really close, though. Ooh, you're on fire. Oh, you're really?
2: Oh no. Uh, <laughs> Paul McCartney. It was it one of the Beatles? Ooh, Paul, Paul McCartney.
1: McCartney. Yes! I wow. win the shirt. <laughs> Dude, yeah. That was awesome. That was luck though. You got lucky. You got lucky, punk. Man. Wow. I can't I can't believe well, you can afford
2: to, to McCartney.
1: I guess I would suck at music trivia. <laughs>
2: don't
1: talk about my friend like that yeah, yeah. It, thank you thank you you're right I would not suck at it as long <laughs> as it was the right questions <laughs> that would be good at it. but yeah that was fun that was a fun game Brett good job thanks yeah I was impressed by your uh, quick wit on that one very good <laughs> Hey, you, didn't, I, you didn't you didn't you're very <laughs> quick-witted but and you're handsome <laughs> so handsome <laughs> on live tv man you have been a pleasure to have on the show carly if there oh, was what is uh we got to do this in honor of ag she always asks like if there's one thing that you could say to somebody out there listening right now what would it be or something like that isn't that what she says
2: <laughs> that was beautiful yeah
0: that was good uh I think, I think good job with the has. question thinking idea thinking idea maker good good yeah
2: job. yeah you're an idea maker jason
0: i
1: am <laughs> don't tell uh, anyone <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um the first the first thing that came to my mind that is like probably the most cliche thing that you could say but that is so comforting to me is you are loved like that is something that when i'm feeling super down that i will tell myself like carly you are loved and i'm like i am i am aren't i so that's something that i would want to tell to a person who is listening that might be struggling to know that they they absolutely are loved
1: that is beautiful. <laughs> and me and Brett love you. Well, yeah. We, we, we love you.
2: I love you guys. You thank are you loved.
1: For on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this
2: has been a blast. This is great. Thank you guys so much.
1: You bet. Until
2: tell, tell everyone about Explore to Heal.
1: Yeah, I will definitely share it on my socials. I'm gonna be like you guys gotta check this out we only played one round and it wasn't even a full round we didn't even yeah
2: you didn't even see the game board or anything
0: there is a board
2: yeah there's a board for every different topic that exists there's a board with categories and pictures and i wish i had a
0: picture of it to put on the screen she probably has one
2: people just have to sign up for a program they just yeah. Have to sign up to see the the game boards.
1: You're gonna have to play it. Yeah. You you don't want to miss this, you guys.
2: I would totally be down though to like do a legit game with you guys if you if you want it to like not tonight but like in life. You guys, yes. you can. Brett, bring your wife. Jason, bring your girlfriend. Let's do it.
1: I'd yes. love to. I would love it. I would love to see you crack Sarah out of her shell a little bit. She talks my ear off, but she's so shy around <laughs> other people. That sounds
0: like my wife, too.
1: She's super shy around other people.
2: I think so you there's... guys might be surprised. It's a magical space where people are like, I can't believe how much I like divulged.
1: Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That is <laughs> awesome. Yes. Go check it out, exploratorheel.com. Do it now. Do it now.
0: Don't <laughs> chappa. Should I should I go through our our closing little little bit? Yeah, I'm trying to carry you man right now. Well, I,
1: I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm not the best at your cues. I'm not the Don't you understand? Just kidding. You're doing great. Thanks. You're doing a great job today.
0: Very you. Good. <laughs> all right well if you guys are watching us on youtube please be sure to subscribe to the youtube channel turn on your notifications so you know when we go live which if you guys haven't figured out the pattern yet it's every thursday night if you guys would like to send us a voice message because i do not check the voicemail for the call-in number you can do so at the address on your screen and leave up to a three minute message that we can play on the show. Hey, Jason, you have a podcast, don't you, sir?
1: I do. It's called the way out podcast. Oh, look at that sweet logo. Uh, We have 13, 313 episodes as we speak right now. And we also have a playlist on Spotify. It's called the way out playlist. It's a curated list of all the songs that represent recovery to our distinguished guests or distinguished not extinguished (laughs) just distinguished guests uh yeah uh it's a great blessing to be a
0: part of it check it out yeah and then i also have my own podcast a little solo podcast not not quite to 313 just yet i released episode 130 yesterday So check out Recovery Survey as well for uh, a little bit more bite-sized episodes. Mine are usually in the 30 to 45-minute range, so check that out as well. And if you guys like the show uh, but maybe you don't have time to watch the full video, that sort of thing, search for Recovery Revolution Live on your favorite podcast player and you can find the entire library of the audio version of this show. We've been doing this for just a little over a year so there's uh 54 55 episodes i'm not sure of the exact number available so be sure to check that out and uh remember guys uh oh i guess i i messed that up, so yeah. messed everything up. your Thanks sign off my sign off is just getting sloppy man i i need to i need to eat dinner and, and sleep but carly thank you for coming on the show tonight we really do appreciate you Coming on, and thank you for everybody that tuned in live and that's going to watch this later after we're off the air. Thank you guys, and remember progress, not not perfection. Good night, everybody.